We've been talking about tough questions for the last week, and today's tough question is, we're going to talk about, can we know God's plan for our life? Can we know God's will? Can we know what God is leading us to do? Does he have a plan? Or is it random? So last week we kind of covered the, the meaning of life, the purpose of life, and hopefully you walked away thinking about that uh, we're called to seek first the kingdom of God, right? To make deci- decisions to live a significant life instead of just surviving. And so, you know, honestly, if you piggyback this on top of that, it really works well together. If we're going to start seeking significance and making a difference with our lives, what we're going to need to do is be led by God. So if we can be led by God is a huge question. Can you be led by God? I mean, there's, does God speak to us today? Does God move in our hearts? Does he have individual plans or are we just supposed to do the best we can? Is the Bible like a rule book that we're supposed to just follow? And then you hope when you die, things work out well. Or is it more uh, intimate than that, more relational than that? And so um, we're going to talk about that today. Um, I'm hopefully going to wrap up sooner than normal. And uh, we have a couple people coming up at the end to share some stories of God leading them in their lives. So uh, first off, I want to just talk about how bad I am at making decisions, because that's always a good way to start. So I don't know if you know how many decisions you make every day, um, but we make 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions a day. And 226 of them are about food. So um, I think for me, that number's probably higher. Um, Especially right now, I'm kind of trying to, you know, be careful about what I eat. So I think about food all the time. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but when you try to not think about something, you end up thinking about it a whole lot. Like if I tell you, don't think about a pink elephant right now, right? You're going to think about pink elephant. So so 35 decisions per day. Now, I know that we have decisions of different scales, right? Some decisions are big. We have decisions about who who we should marry, uh, who we should date. Should we take this job? Should we move here? What's our college degree going to be? Should we have kids? Those are big, big decisions. And then you have a lot of like, Middle decisions that still matter, right? Um, maybe, should I volunteer? What should I do with my time? Um, what are we going to do this weekend? Should I sign up for this ministry? Or um, just different middle-sized decisions. So for me, all of the decisions, except for the really easy ones like which so- and let's be honest, I actually worry about my socks too, but which socks to put on, most decisions I struggle with. And um, the, the biggest one, and the one I struggled with most, which sounds terrible, was when I was trying to figure out whether I should get married to Mandy. So, um, love Mandy. She's my wife now. So, spoiler alert, we did get married. Um, but uh, we, uh, we were friends for a really long time, and then uh, we started dating in college. And then um, she, she did this thing where she knew, like, uh, first of all, she wouldn't date me, which I think you heard last week. She wouldn't date me forever. When she finally dated me, out on the first date, she decided we, we were going to get married. So, it was like, there's no in-between, you know? It's like yesterday felt like we went from winter to summer and spring got skipped. We, she skipped the whole process. That's not totally true. But like four months in, she knew. I remember the conversation, Mandy. You were like, so how, how, you know, how's this going? Where are we? You know, where are we? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> we just had a conversation a couple weeks ago how I might like somebody else, right? And you were like, no, no, no. God told me we we're getting married. So shoot. Um, so the decision was really hard for me. And... These are some of the things that I implemented, so maybe you want to take notes on this part, okay? So, um, lying, okay? So I did that for, for a few months, uh, and uh, being extremely, lying to her, like saying I was ready, but I wasn't ready. Um, being extremely anxious, so are you taking notes? 
Come on, this is how to hear God, right? Lying, being extremely anxious. I couldn't even eat cereal in the morning, which if you know me, that's like just like breathing for me, right? If I can't eat cereal in the morning, you know something's wrong. I can remember just driving to college and thinking, I, I want to kind of run away because I know that I'm, I'm in this situation and I would rather disappear than deal with it. Um, I'm extremely afraid of conflict then and also now, but um, more so then. And I really didn't want to hurt Mandy's feelings because I did really love her. And so, um, seriously, it was, it was as close to a meltdown as I had ever gotten to at that point in my life. I've had more since then. But, uh, but at that point in my life, it was a whole new thing for me. And so, yeah, finally, um, finally I had to tell her. And we, that'll be a story for another day. But the whole decision process, I mean... Oh, another strategy is, is, is then tell the truth and almost lose her. That's, that was what I did. So I almost lost her. We broke up for a while, but then um, we got married. So whew, that's how I make decisions. And usually it's that bad, to be honest. Like we tried to decide to move our kids from one school to another. That was like, I mean, it's just when we decided to move from house to house, even trying to decide where to go out to dinner. Like, let's be honest, right? I mean, Mandy does this thing to me where we're in the car and she's like, you know, well, where do you want to go? It's date night. Like we finally got out. Where do you want to go to dinner? And she's like, you decide. I hate that. You know, I would just like for once in my life for someone else to decide where we're going to eat dinner. Whenever I meet with people from church, like for call, it's so much fun. Cause I'm like, no, I sound like I'm being really generous, but it's actually so selfish. I'm like, you pick, please, God, you pick where we're going to meet. I've got enough decisions in my life. So I'm not good at this, all right? I'm just letting you know. I've struggled, seriously, I've struggled with this. In fact, I struggled so much with the whole dating and marriage thing that I ended up writing a book afterwards about, because I thought maybe some people are as crazy as I am, or maybe not. So does God lead us in these decisions? I mean, it sure doesn't seem, no, I'm kidding. It, I'll tell you what gets, the, the core of it for me is I'm afraid of making a mistake. For me, like if you get drilled down to it, I'm afraid of making a mistake in God's eyes and making a mistake that's going to like make a bad consequence in my life. And I think we're all like that. And that's why the more gravity to the decision, the more we care about what God has to say. I would, I would bet that there's a lot of decisions we're making that we're not praying about. So I want to look at what Jesus says about this whole question, does God lead us? So this is in a book written by one of uh, Jesus' early disciples named John. Um, John was there throughout the whole ministry of Jesus on earth, was there at his death, um, his resurrection, and then John continued to lead the, the first church in Jerusalem. And so he's quoting Jesus here, and Jesus says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. So when the spirit of truth comes, so this is a little bit confusing, and um, we're just going to go like a little bit down the rabbit hole here, but not too far. Right, so God, in, in what we call the Bible and the Scripture, he reveals himself as something that we call the Trinity. Now, if you're not familiar with church, if you've never been to church before, this is probably one of those things you could just, like, tune out. Um, there's not going to be a test, and, you know, it's, it's fine. It's just understand Jesus is talking. But if you're interested, Jesus here is talking about sending his Spirit to be with us when he goes back to heaven. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've probably heard that in, in church before, or maybe you've seen it in a, in a movie. But we believe that it's not three gods. We're not polytheists, all right? We're worshiping one God, but he has three persons, and there's absolutely no way I can explain that, all right? But I'm going to try. So here's one that I like to use. I am a person. I'm one person. I'm not three people, but I am a father, right? I am a son, and I'm the Holy Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. And I am a, and I am a husband. That's the other role. 
And I, not, like my kids and, and my dad and my wife, they're not like, we're so confused. Are there three of him? Right? They know there's one of me. But I treat them all very differently. Right? I do remember one time, it was really funny, my dad and I, uh, and I was saying goodbye to my dad and my mom at a restaurant, and I would always give my mom a kiss on the cheek. Uh, it's just so weird, do you remember this? And I was like, bye mom, bye dad! And I was like... <laughs> and we just kind of like walked away from it, like, we don't ever kiss, but uh, you know, do you remember that? That was weird. Anyway, <laughs> family therapy here in front of the church, but I don't normally treat my dad the same way I treat Mandy, right? So three roles. So there's God the Father, and he has a role, and God the Son, he has a role, and God the Holy Spirit, he has a role, but they're all one. Do you buy that analogy? Does that work for you? Okay. You could go with water, because it can be water, ice, and steam, vapor, all one molecule, or... I'm, see, I should have just not even said it. Okay. So he says he's going to send his spirit, because Jesus, in physical form, Jesus the Son is the physical manifestation of God. He's not here right now, right? Can you see Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus recently? No. Okay. So he sent his Holy Spirit to fill us so that we could be Jesus to the world. So when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. So what we can learn from this is that the Holy Spirit is here to guide us and to lead us. That yes, God is leading us or wants to lead us. Now, I read a great quote this week that says that God will never burglarize the human will. Okay? But he's always willing to lead us. The thing that stands in the way is our willingness. So are we willing to be led? He's not going to force you. This gives you an idea of the relational aspect of this. He's going to lead you. He's going to speak to you. We believe that God speaks to us in our heart in a subtle voice. And he is going to lead us into our future. I do believe that God has plans for our lives. That he has direction that he wants to show us. So he sent us his Holy Spirit. So what I want to talk about today, and this has nothing to do with the fact that the Sixers won their first playoff game in many years last night. The title of the teaching today is Trust the Process. That's what I want you to take home. And I'm sorry if you're not a Sixers fan. This has nothing to do with the Sixers. Seriously, this is the best way to describe how I think we are led by the Holy Spirit is to trust the process. And here's the thing. Here's the big take home is we want A plus B equals C. We want a very simple equation. We say, God, what should I do here? And God says in a loud, audible voice for all the world to hear, you should go to this college. And you're like, got it. It's not like that. Okay? It's never like that. Listen to how Jesus describes being led by the Spirit. He says, oh, the wind blows where it wants to. And and you can hear the sound, but you don't really know where it's coming from. And you don't really know where it's going. Isn't that encouraging, guys? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he does a play on words here, because the word for wind in the Greek is the same word for spirit. So he, and then he says it's the same with every person who is born of the Spirit. And he's giving this analogy. It's actually the word for breath. In this sense that God is breathing upon us to lead us and to guide us. Think about that. Now, normally I don't like being breathed upon. Have you ever been breathed upon by anybody? It's not enjoyable. But you have to be close to someone for them, for them to breathe upon you. That's how I lead my children. I go, <laughs> I lead them around like that. Like, Let's go clean up the dishes. <laughs> no, I don't really do that. That's going to sound great on the podcast. Um, he, he, it's an intimate, relational thing. See, it's not 
definite, clear cut. There's a test and I can pass it. There's a program and I can follow it. There's A plus B, there's steps. No, it's much more intuitive. If you're a creative person, a left brain person, this is all you. If you're like me, this sucks. I hate this. Like, I think following God's plan is one of the hardest things of being a Christian. I'm really good at following rules. Give me the Ten Commandments, I'll knock that out of the park. But this thing is tough. So trust the process. Wait, uh, this is, yeah, it says it right there. I just couldn't read. Trust the process of relationship. We need to dial back from that American school idea of this will be very concrete and realize that we're in a relationship and that this isn't, Uh, someone who's like kicking you around. This is someone who's actually teaching you to walk. He's leading you. He wants you to become like him. He wants you to learn to step like him and decide like him and make, uh, you know, speak like him and act like him. He's, he's, He's never wanted to create robots who he programs in and we will go serve this person. And, you know, that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for sons and daughters who become like him. He's actually looking to unlock what's in you. The creativity and the love and the compassion and the, the passion and the power that's in you. He's looking to unlock that for the world around us. Trust the process of relationship. All right. I would also say we need to trust the process daily. Here's the thing. We go to God when it is like the big decisions. And so what I want to tell you is we need to practice in the day-to-day what we hope to produce in the big moments. So a lot of people cry out to God, God, where should I go in this big decision? But we're not spending any time every day saying, Lord, lead me. Lord, where where are you leading me today? Lord, breathe upon my life. Help me to sense the, the wind of the Spirit. Help me sense where you're moving right now. We don't spend that time daily. And here's... Um, I, I picked another, another book that's written by Paul, one of the early followers of Jesus. He wrote it to um, some churches in a town called Galatia. So they named it Galatians. And he says here, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I love that thinking, like that analogy that the wind's blowing us. So put these, these little Bible verses together here. Jesus says, look, I, don't have, I can't tell you all the things you need to know right now. So I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit's kind of like a wind kind of have to sense where it's going, and you just kind of like take, take it one step at a time. And if we, be, if we cultivate a lifestyle of keeping in step with the blowing of the Spirit in our lives, when you get to those big decisions, it will be natural. It'll be an overflow of how you live your life. Now, it might be more difficult. That's fine. You might take some more time. We're going to get to that. But this is, we need to cultivate a lifestyle. We can't expect, this is like, you know, showing up to play music and having not practiced uh, on Wednesday or something like that. It's just like showing up for a game and having not gone to practice for weeks and weeks and weeks. You don't, you don't do that in real life. We need to be living the day-to-day. And, and it's like an emergency room faith that we get where we just go to God when we need him. And I'm, I just want you to know that if you could just plan ahead, it'll be so much easier in those moments if you go to God on a daily basis. So trust the process relationally, daily, And then we have to trust that there's a process going on on the inside too. Now, just remember this about Jesus. He loves you and he's not looking to just boss you around. He's looking to develop you. He's looking to mature sons and daughters of God who are growing and maturing and becoming more like him, like I said. So listen to this. This is a little bit um, in a different spot, but the same place where we're just reading. 
He's talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Again, the sense of the wind blowing you. You won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So he's going to say, listen, there's, there's desires inside of us that can go against the wind of the Spirit. Right? The wind of the Spirit, for instance, is like, um, okay, so I was at uh, Brouhaha, which I am like almost every day. And I was there, and I just, um, I was there to meet with a friend from the church. And there was another person in line uh, behind us. And I just had, I felt like, you know, I didn't actually feel wind. I mean, you get this as an analogy, right? Like, it wasn't like, now I know God's here. Like, I just like, you know, I try to spend my life, you know, like doing this as well as, well as I can, praying and whatever. And so I had this like feeling, like, you know, pay for the person behind you. Like, oh, missionary to the world. I know, you know, but I just thought, you know, I can, but part of me doesn't want to do that because A, that's embarrassing. And B, I don't like to spend my money. So, um, you know, it's like, what can I do? You know, so here's where you have the, this, this tension is you have your sinful nature, your selfish nature versus the Holy Spirit guiding you. And so look, look what it says. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. They're constantly fighting each other. So there's a battle inside. There's a decision. And this is where your will comes in. Will we choose the Holy Spirit's leading, or our own desires. And so just so you know, I turned around and I said hi to the person and I said, hey, you know, um, basically, this is what, how I start all my conversations now. We just planted a church six months ago, really excited about it. I would love to buy you coffee if you let me give you a card about the church. She was like, sure, that seems like a good deal. <laughs> right? And turns out she actually went to school here. Right? I mean, that's why the Holy Spirit leads you. You just never know until you try. And so I thought, huh, that's interesting. There's a whole lot of people here. I bet they all didn't go to New York Charter High School, which happens to be where we meet. Did you get the connection? No? Okay, good. So I gave her a card. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she'll come. I've met a lot of people who have come to this church because they know someone who goes to this school. And so it feels approachable. So you never know. God may bring her. Okay. Trust the process in you. So what I'm saying is sometimes when we're trying to be led by God, there's stuff going, in, going on on the inside. And he's developing us. You know, sometimes you ask God for leading and you don't get leading when you want it. And that can be frustrating. But maybe what God is saying is before I can lead you, I need to develop you. You know, before I can, it's, it's like, I mean, I think a lot about sports and I just coached soccer on Saturday for my eight-year-old daughter it's the first time I've coached soccer in years, and I'm, like, flying high. So I just love coaching. But, like, you, you can't—these are eight-year-old kids, and we stick them out there, and, like, I'm trying to get them to realize just positions so they don't chase the ball around. And they did a great job. But, like, I can't tell them, like, hey, what we need to do is we need, we need the, the striker to stay high, you know, and we need the defense to pinch in when we move up on offense. But when we come back, I need you to spread out, and I need the offense to come back, and I need you to watch the weak side. Like— they don't understand any of those words. I actually told one of the kids, stay high, stay high. And they were like, okay, they don't know what that means, right? But right now we need to learn how to like dribble the ball. Like that's where we are right now. So you might be like asking God for something, the equivalent of like, you know, and he's like, dude, you need to learn how to dribble. Let's work on you. Your character's not ready for that. You're, you're not ready for that leading yet. You're your pride isn't in check yet. Your, uh, you know, decision process isn't fully submitted to me. I know you're only here because you're at this one pivotal moment. Let me develop you a little bit, All right? So there's a process. You got to trust the process in you because it gets frustrating. 
So, practical application. This is going to be like drinking from a uh, fire hose here, but I want to just give you this. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. As I sat down to prepare this teaching, I realized I could easily give four or five weeks on this. If you're someone who's struggling with this, I would be happy to meet with you and sit down because I have wrestled with it so much in my life that um, I can give you really, really bad advice. Okay, so you should meet with me. No, I've learned a lot, I think. I think the areas that we often struggle in, God uses to help others. And so here's some things that I do every time I'm trying to make a you know, relatively important decision. Now, I don't do this when I pick out my socks. But, um, so I start with prayer and listening, listening for the subtle voice, praying and submitting to God. Submit to God, commit to God, acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will lead you. So let's take a second and just pray. Let's say we got this decision coming up. Let's start to pray on a regular basis, not a one-time shot in the dark. Let's start praying, God, lead me, and listen for some inner leading. All right, we can then wait and grow. Don't give up during the waiting. And don't get angry during the waiting. Don't hate God during the waiting. And guys, let me just pause there, because I know some of you are like, dude, I've waited for years. I know. Sometimes the waiting is is really, really hard. And you can look all throughout the Bible. There are so many references to waiting on the Lord. It is hard, but it is developing you something so important. Uh, We can look then to the principles of Scripture. I mean, that sounds like so academic. I'm just saying, like, there's some things you don't need to pray about. Like, God, should I kill this person or not? No, right? You don't have to pray about that. Um, you, you, God leads you to go to college. You go to college, you're like, God, should I go to class today? Yes! You don't need to pray about that. Just go to class, okay? Those are things you don't have to pray about. Not that Scripture tells you to go to school, but it, you, know, you know what I'm saying. Um, also, sometimes God will highlight parts of Scripture that, like, jump out at you. And we were, like, wrestling with whether to plant this church or not. We did, uh, several of us did a fast together where we, you know, I didn't fast from all food, but I fasted from, like, candy. And, uh, which was sacrifice enough. And, um, and at the end of it, I went and spent some time in prayer. And I, and I, I felt like this sometimes what God does for me, this, this Bible verse came to my mind. I don't have it memorized, but it was like, you know, let's pretend it was Mark 6, 25 or whatever. And I was like, okay. I probably just made that up, but I always look it up anyway. I looked it up and um, it, it said, you will die tomorrow. No, um, I, <laughs> that's the danger of doing that. I looked it up and it, it was uh, a story that Jesus was telling. And the, the very first words were, a man planted a vineyard dot, 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 dot. And I was like, well, coincidence? I think not. All right, so uh, seeking wise counsel. This is my other major go-to here. Um, it says all, in Proverbs, there's multiple things that tell us that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Get people around you who you trust, who can also hear and be led by the wind of the Spirit and bring them into your story. Um, inner peace. I mean, I usually wait till I feel peaceful, but sometimes God's going to lead you to do things that don't feel peace, so that test is kind of complicated. And then there are times when you just have to make a decision. Seriously, God's, God hasn't said, listen, don't make any decisions in your life unless you feel totally 100% sure that I've led you. Right? There are times when God, I think God's like, he steps back and he's like, I've been leading you. What do you think? I hate when he does that, by the way. I'm like, the whole point is I want to do what you want me to do. You know, but there are times when it's just like, look, cookies and cream or cookie dough. Neither one's a bad choice, right? Pick one. And that's where I really struggle the most. But you just, I think God has created us in his image and he is a decider. He makes decisions and we have been given that ability. It is not sinful to use your brain to make decisions. 
It's not sinful to be smart. It's not sinful to be wise. And there are times when you might not hear God and you might not feel God, but you have to make a decision. And God's like, I've invested years in you. I believe in you. Make this decision. You can do it. This is the pep talk I give myself every day. All right, so there's some practical things. I want to bring up Nathan and Christine now. They're each going to share a story from their lives of how um, they've tried to walk out this process. And I hope that in listening to their stories, you're going to hear how diverse of an experience it is for all of us. And it really is not cut and dried. Um, I think that this just died, which is convenient. So I'm going to give you another microphone. Okay. That one's not dead. Here you go. All right, thank you. Yeah. Let me bring this over here. <laughs> oh, is this going to fall off? All right. So I am Christine, not Nathan, as you probably figured. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to share a story about when I had to make a, a decision. About 10 years ago now, uh, actually almost exactly 10 years ago, I was debating whether to start my own business or not. And I did some of the things that Christian talked about here. I, you know, talked to people in my life uh, that I trusted. I talked, to, I talked to some people who had done a similar business that I had done um, to get their input. And um, I really thought about it for myself. Like I looked at my strengths and weaknesses. I looked at the financial aspect of it. You know, I did all those things. And then another part of it, of course, was talking to God and seeking God and asking, you know, if this was a good decision. Looking back now, I can see as I started to talk to God and pray, what I was really trying to do with him was uh, corner him, so to speak, and get him to just tell me, yes or no, will I be successful? You know, will I do well at this? Because I really don't want to fail in this. And, um, you know, it felt really risky and I felt very unqualified uh, to do this. I um, didn't see myself as a business person. I had done social work and social services of different kinds up until that point. And so, there was a particular day that I was praying about it, and for me, when I pray and uh, like seek God and, and all of that, uh, I do start by talking to him and you know sharing with him about how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking, and then I try and take some time to just be quiet and listen and just see if there's like a picture that comes to mind or some thoughts or like you know just some sort of ideas. And at this time. I just had a quick, you know, simple picture of me standing on the edge of a cliff. And what I felt like, I was like, oh, that's not very comforting, first of all. But then what I felt like he, you know, told me in that picture was, if you want to take this jump, I'll jump with you. And, and what I knew that he was, you know, further saying in that is that I didn't need to know how, like, the end of that jump you know, to be able to make this decision, you know, and actually jump. That the, what I, when I thought I needed assurance that I wouldn't fail, but what I really needed assurance of was that he was going to be with me and he was actually going to jump with me. And this actually changed 
I don't know if you're a visual person, but I, I always like in my mind, you know, in my mind's eye or whatever, like I, I picture everything. And I think up until that point, I was picturing God as being up here and me being down here, like he's watching me make this decision and going to, you know, judge whether or not it's the right one or not. And it, with this picture of like pretty much him standing next to me on the edge of this cliff, I, it, it brought him right next to me and him being so present and like willing to actually, you know, take this jump um, with me. And so in that, I, it really helped to, it, it released me from holding, you know, like being so scared and, and like, you know, kind of hemmed in, you know, when you make decisions, like as Christian was talking about with, you know, trying, you know, whether to get married or just that whole way of making decisions, it feels like the walls are closing in on you. You know, it's like, it's that real tight, closed in, like, I don't want to make the wrong decision, you know, and all of that. Um, it, it became less like that and, um, you know, more about becoming increasingly aware of the fact that he is with me, you know, completely, like, totally present with me. There's a, a verse in the book of Romans in the Bible that gives such a beautiful picture of this. And uh, it's in Romans 5.2, and it's in the message version that I love the way that it, I mean, it's good in all versions, but I particularly like this one. And it says, and that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. And what I, what I love, the imagery of that, is the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory. It's the, that's, for me, picture-wise, again, I, like, I picture everything, it's the opposite, right, of walls closing in on you and you're in a tight space and, you know, I've got to do the right thing and I can't fail and all of that. It's the opposite. So that's, that's not this. You know, it's like there's a what? excuse me, <laughs> there's a way to live with God, you know, where we're aware of being in, you know, those wide open spaces. So and, and living that way and being aware of God with us present you know, in that way, it, it speaks of, you know, opportunity and possibility and decision-making becoming this open thing as opposed to everything's, you know, got to be, you know, perfectly right. And so, to close, um, I did jump off that cliff, you know, 10 years ago, and God has been so faithful um, in the everyday, you know, to just remind me of him being with me. And, um and he's had to do that over and over again when I've hated my business, when it hasn't been like, yay, I'm so glad I did this. Um, and, um, you know, when it would come around to deadline time and I'd be stressed and still can, you know, get that way, he, he just reminds me of his, you know, presence um, with me. And it's also in the little things, you know, it's like in, that, in this big way where he kind of changed the way that I was making decisions, it's, it now affects all the day-to-day of, you know, seeing myself, um, you know, with him in the wide-open spaces, um, so to speak. So, anyway, I would just encourage you uh, to, I don't you know, like, go run around, so to speak, in your wide-open spaces, you know, and, you know, take that jump, you know, off the cliff, you know, once you've done your homework, <laughs> um, 
uh, because there, there aren't any guarantees that, you know, if you make all the right decisions, that everything's going to be, you know, go okay and be all right. Um, you know, there's just that promise that he'll be with us. Good morning. Uh, my name is Nathan. The example that I want to share kind of takes Christine's idea a step further, and it's actually an example of a time when I tried this process and expected things to go one way, and they went a different way. Um, I want to back up a little bit and give you just a brief history of my life. <laughs> now, um, I was a school counselor for about eight years, did a few different roles in one school as a student advisor for a while, taught phys ed for a while. Through a process very similar to what Christian has outlined, I made several decisions through the, the course of my career that sort of advanced me in ways that I expected, in ways that I enjoyed, in ways that I could look back on and feel like, yeah, that went well. Um, so I switched from, from counseling to administration. I was an assistant principal for a few years, and then my principal was retiring. So I thought about it, I prayed about it. I sought some counsel, and I really felt peace in my heart about pursuing the principalship. And I thought, okay, I'm following the same process I've always followed before. I'm making a decision that's consistent with what I've learned about how to do this. And I applied for the job, and I fully expected to get it. And I didn't. (laughs) So it it came, honestly, as a surprise. Um, Besides being a bit of a, a blow to my ego for other reasons that I won't go into, it, it shook a little bit my, my faith and my ability to hear God's voice and to follow his path for my life. Um, and so trying to follow God and having it not go the direction that I thought it would, similar to what Christine talked about, with when God tells you to do something, it doesn't mean it's going to go the way you think it will every time. You know, as we follow God, sometimes it will go exactly like we want it to or exactly like we expect, and other times it won't. Um, and realizing that for me, sort of brought me back to depending on God and not just depending on things going the way I expect and not just being able to feel like life is successful as long as it's predictable. I think there's a lot of uncertainty in life. And even if you're following God, even if you're listening to him and obeying him, it doesn't mean that you can avoid uncertainty. And this links back to what Christian, the verses that he read about, you know, the Holy Spirit is like a wind. And the wind doesn't always blow in the same direction at the same speed forever. It changes a lot. And the course of our life can change a lot, and that's okay. So, you know, in hindsight now, looking back, I can see a lot of really good reasons why I'm glad I didn't get the principalship at that time. Um, You know, without going too deep into it, I had sort of come up in one school and done things a certain way under two leaders that, that taught me how to do school their way. And I didn't know a lot of other ways to do school. Since that time, in the last four years, I've worked for three different principals in two schools and had just a breadth of experience that I never would have gotten otherwise. So I've learned a lot. I've also had opportunity to sow what I have to offer into other schools and other groups of kids and, and staff in other places that I truly believe that this has been God's will for my life. It's not something I expected, but it's something that he's led me into through sort of an unfolding process that was different than I expected. So I'm not saying this doesn't work. <laughs> I'm saying that as we try it, there will be times when it works out the way we expect, and there will be times that it works out differently, but that God is with us through either of those, and he has ways to, to lead us and guide us and help us grow through that process. So. Thanks,
Oh, man, that was just perfect. <laughs> um, you know, I was just sitting there listening to them, and I was thinking, you know, what it's about is about trust, isn't it? It's trusting that God loves you. It's trusting that he's going to be with you, like Christine was talking about. It's trusting that when it doesn't go the way you expected, that God hasn't failed you or, or abandoned you, like you know, Nathan was talking about, that it, it, if, if we don't get to that point of trust, it can, be really, it can be really difficult when things don't go our way. And so that's why I think we call it trust the process, because there's a process, involved, process that's involved. Um, so we're going to hand out a couple things. First is this. I read, again, there's so much to say I couldn't fit it all in. I read a really interesting article. On the back of this piece of paper is the link to it if you want to read the whole article. I honestly don't agree with everything in the article, but it's, it's interesting. But I really liked the end of it where he talked about poor conceptions of God's will. So these are seven things that are common beliefs about God's will that he, uh, he kind of addresses. And I, I, I appreciated this. So I thought this might be a growth experience for you, you guys as well. And then we're going to give you this. Um, so sometimes we hand out, uh, you know, something to help you kind of think about and keep in mind the teaching lessons. So trusting the process. What we're going to do, since it's like springtime and everything, or at least it's supposed to be, um, we're giving you some seeds. There's three different kinds, so um, you can fight over who gets what. Um, and the whole idea when you plant a seed, you have to trust the process, right? You can't just plant it and um, you, you don't ever plant a seed and go out the next day and be like, why have you grown yet? What's wrong with you, right? Like you, you know, you have to wait. There's some growth. If you're like Mandy and I, you plant it and you expect that it probably won't go the way you hoped it would go, like Nathan talks about. Um, but I was thinking it'd be cool if you wanted to plant this somewhere where you could see it. And over the next couple of weeks and months, this could just be a reminder of the deeper things going on in your life that you can be trusting God, okay? So that's this, our little gift to you of a couple seeds today. Um, so we're going to end right now. We're not going to do a final song because we're kind of up against the end of the time here. So can we stand together so we can pray? Um, so a couple quick notes if you'd like to get prayer before you leave, we always encourage that. If you are, um, you know, if you're someone who's in a place where you're struggling with making decisions or knowing God's plan for your life, I mean, seriously, there are loving people over there. All that happens is you introduce yourself, you say what you would like prayer for, they're, and they're just going to pray with you. And inviting other people into that is such a powerful experience. Um, so I just would love to encourage you to stop by the, the wall, the prayer wall, um, and get some prayer. Uh, on your way out, if you are uh, here for your first or second time, please remember to fill out that card and drop it at the welcome table. It's super important. We want to connect with you. Um, you can grab a mug there as well or a water bottle. And um, so you know that we're sending like 25 teenagers to Texas this summer, right? Uh, we had a bunch of them out working at people's houses to raise money. They have to raise uh, about $1,000 each um, by June, <laughs> which is coming up. So we have a bake sale. We're going to have bake sales on a regular basis out there. So if you have a couple dollars that you can give to the bake sale, um, grab some delicious food, all that money goes to support the teenagers standing behind the table. So just everybody, just take a second and stop by that on your way out, and let's pray. God, thank you for our time together today. I feel like this was like a, like a sit-down. There's not a whole lot of rah-rah, but this is like a real-life issue, Jesus. And and I think that we all deal with it in, in you know, lesser or greater degrees 
through the ebb and flow of life, God. And I just want to pray for all of us that we would trust the process that you have each of us on, God. We're all in different parts of that journey of following you. And I pray that we would be able to trust your love for us, your character for us, and trust that you're doing the best in us and through us and for us, God. God, I pray that we could build a relationship with you daily instead of just coming to you when we need it, that we would start to live our lives on a daily basis being gently nudged by the wind of the Spirit, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would become more present to each of us. Even this week, God, that you would become more present to us, that you wouldn't feel distant or far. We just invite you, Spirit of God, to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming, and we will see you next week.